Baldy Reports. With me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Bitts. Both of us are combat Marines who fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. Hey, it's great to be here doing this. I also want to thank Heroes Media Group listeners. Thank you for your support, and we we always love to have you. And today we're going to talk about what was going on last night. Okay, first question. What is, okay, before we can, I need some clarity here. What is, in your opinion, or what is an Uncle Tom? An Uncle Tom goes, the way it's portrayed now, an Uncle Tom is somebody who is African-American or basically black, who is deferential to white. Okay. Now, I think the true Uncle Tom goes back to, I think it was like a story or a book in the uh, 1830s. And it just morphed into an Uncle Tom is someone who's very deferential to white people. And Okay, well, without saying a derogatory term that it is, but like back in the day, they used to refer to it, one, as a field something, and they would refer to it as a house something where the slaves would be more on the slave owner side if they lived in the house, and then the ones that lived in the field would be against the slave. Yeah, because if you're working your butt off out in the field, that's hot. So is Uncle Tom a racist or derogatory term? It's derogatory. I think it definitely is a derogatory term, especially in today's world. Now, in reference to the person who was called an Uncle Tom. Or an Uncle Tim. Or Uncle Tim. That was Senator Tim Scott who gave the rebuttal toward Joe Biden. Now, it's interesting, okay, it's interesting that those who called him an Uncle Tim failed to understand what Martin Luther King practiced and preached. He wanted everybody to be judged by their character, not by their skin color. And it's interesting, it seems like everybody has to think a certain way in certain communities. Now, when they call him an Uncle Tim, it's interesting for this fact. My sister's fiance is African-American. Okay. And he's very dark African-American. I could care less if it makes her happy. He's a good guy. He's, yeah. very, he's educated. But he went to Stanford. Okay. He got a bachelor's and a master's degree in mechanical and electrical engineering. Awesome. The guy is really smart. Yeah. But he told me when he was at Stanford, he had members of the Black Student Union wanted him to join, and he refused. He go and he and it was funny that he had a Confederate battle flag hanging in his room. Okay. And the reason he said that is he didn't want to be defined. I'm black. I have to think this way. I have to act this way. I'm my own person. I like certain things. I don't like certain things. Yeah. And it just seems if you happen to be black and Republican or you're conservative. You're a sellout that all blacks have to be liberal, progressive this way. Caitlyn Jenner's kind of getting that a little bit, too, because she wants to run as a Republican for the California governorship. Yeah, governorship. Yeah. But L- LGBTQ something does not give their support for her because she decided and it's really funny. She decided to put an R versus a D in front of her name. And that's the whole point even when president biden gave his speech they talk about systematic racism and this is the big buzzword that's going around everything is racist and joe biden has repeatedly said this the democrats have repeatedly especially throughout the campaign even now everything is racist but if you look at the urban the issues that they're talking is racist like education housing health care all these are localized issues yeah and if you look at the communities that they intend to serve like in minneapolis Chicago, Baltimore, Washington, all the major metropolitan cities, their their policies disproportionately 
harm the minority community. Yeah. Now, Biden, did he he mention, oh, okay, once again, there is George Floyd, is he a martyr or is he like, what is he? I think he's going to become a martyr for the cause of systematic racism. Because he did not sacrifice himself for... Oh, but a martyr could be... You don't necessarily have to sacrifice yourself to be a martyr. It could be you just inadvertently are the catalyst. History is known for that. Yeah, and but they're still grandizing this guy like he was like this all omnipotent, but... majestic creature that, that just happened to... Do the just happened to be pushing counterfeit bills, and that's what kind of got no, apprehended. If you look at all these police shootings of African Americans, every one of them either had a criminal record or was in the midst of a criminal activity. Okay, hold on. Right. In the midst of a criminal activity, how the police responds that always need to be looked at. I have a former friend of mine who's a retired lead trainer for the sheriff's department here in Hillsborough County, and he said every time. Someone uses their weapon and it discharges their weapon. We always should look at tactics, techniques, and procedures. Could we have avoided it? Is there something that we didn't train right? Yeah. And that was the same thing with the tasers. How are they trained? Like when they train for tasers, he was telling me, the tasers typically are on your, if I'm right-handed, it's on my left side. Yeah. But you're trained to use your dominant hand to grab your weapon. And if you spend more time grabbing your sidearm, muscle memory goes to that. Yeah. So, well, I like to go back a little bit because I think the police need to approach every person that they're walking up to as a, like a blank slate. It doesn't because just because the cop shot somebody that was a resisting arrest that ended up that did have a criminal record. I don't think that should weigh into the fact that this whatever happened was justified. Just the fact that. Maybe something could have been done, especially in both parts. The cop could have taken uh, certain steps, but also the simple fact that just taking you taking a minute, if a cop is going to put handcuffs on me, uh, I know how as as hard as I try, there's nothing going to stop me from getting into that cop car, whether I'm conscious or unconscious. Guess where I'm going? Here's the bigger issue that's not been discussed. When I think it was in 2015 or 2016, they had five police officers were shot and killed by a sniper of some sort down in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. And the police chief of Dallas, Texas at the time, and he's now the current police chief of Chicago. And he has said, you want us to be everything. You want us to be the enforcer. You want us to be the counselor, the healer. We can't be everything. Now, if you look at these communities, and this goes back to... What I said earlier, when they say systematic racism, and I wrote an article about it many times, is it systematic racism or is it systematic failure of the government policies in these communities? Because if you look at their community, poor education, poor educational standards, horrible schools, that's the only school they can go to. Yeah. They have poor housing. Poor economic opportunity. Now, again, my father only had a fifth grade education. He wanted his children educated. But is it systematic racism or are these policies failing the communities they intended to serve? Like in California, there was a, I think a psycho psychology professor at UC San Francisco. She compared two cities. One was East Oakland and the other one was Alameda. Why is one doing really well and the other one is not? She blames systematic racism. But Oakland has been controlled by one party yeah. before I was born. 
over 60 years. I'm 56 now. Many of these communities and cities, like Minneapolis, the last time it had a different party run it was 1968-69. You go to Washington, D.C., you're going back to 1910. But a lot of these communities like Washington, D.C., Atlanta, Baltimore, they have the community running these areas. Now, like in Baltimore, the third most per pupil spending on education is in Baltimore. Has anybody asked the school CEO why you make a quarter of a million dollars when 70% of African-American children can't do math or English to grade level, but yet you spend a lot of money. And there was even a a report that showed nine out of 13 high schools of 3,000 each, not one kid could pass the math and English for grade level. So also going into maybe what Biden was talking about, Biden was talking about, so he was talking about, I guess, in, in, in short, he's talking about adding two more grades before kindergarten and two more grades after you graduate. Reports have showed, like with Head Start, which is the current child care for those who have low low economic wherewithal, they're, 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 they have shown that just because you go in Head Start doesn't give you a leg up. Also, did someone maybe tell him that most preschools in the united in the, in the country are free anyway yeah but there, but it's immaterial it's just another big government and he talks about schools yeah he didn't mention that half the schools in america are still closed oh. many of these are in blue states california is a great example new york new jersey pencil parts of pennsylvania so, they're closed in the hundred days that he's been in office Okay, has there been anything positive coming out of the Biden administration? So far, he's passed the economic stimulus, which is about $2 trillion. Okay, that's the $1,400 check I got a couple weeks ago. About $1,400 check. Okay. Now, everything else he hasn't passed yet, he's proposed. First, he passed a $2 trillion stimulus. They proposed another $2 trillion infrastructure plan. He's proposed another $1 trillion family leave plan. This is what he unveiled last night during his joint address to Congress. So we're up to over $5 trillion. Now, he hasn't pushed, he's proposed the tax increases to pay for all this, but that hasn't gone through yet. And then we'll have to see how that goes through. But it's going to tax the rich, John. But see, the problem is, if you look back at history, in 1935, Franklin Roosevelt was president. The country, it was reeling from the Great Depression. But by 1935, it had gotten all its gains back. So Roosevelt overreached. He put the corporate tax from 15% to 75%. He raised taxes on individuals and corporations. And what the corporations did is they couldn't put money back into their company or back into labor, which is their biggest expenditure. They just held it because they had to give it to the government. And we went into a second depression. Well, he was also talking Biden or President Biden was also talking about having more jobs available for blue collar jobs. But see, the thing is, that's a fantasy that I guess is is rooted in delusion because remember when he cut the Keystone XL pipeline jobs? Yeah, that was in January twentieth, and he's and his surrogates, and even he said we're going to trans, they're going to have good green jobs. These individuals, those eleven thousand employees, have been out of work since January twentieth. Yeah, where are these green new these green jobs? Well, he didn't yesterday. He or during the speech, he didn't really necessarily said green jobs, but he did say more 
blue collar jobs, well, but, but also, so follow me here for just for a second. More blue collar jobs, more blue collar workers, which means more taxes. So eventually when he can't get his taxes from the rich, like his plan, isn't he just going to take it out of the blue collar guys? The way it works, yes, he will, because there's not enough money from the wealthy. Now, the one thing he did mention, he talked about 100-year-old pipes and lead in the pipes and lead in the water and certain things like that. Infrastructure has always been a state and local issue. Now, when Eisenhower, President Eisenhower did the interstate highway system, he did a private-public partnership. Biden failed to mention that. Now, when he talked about all this innovation, all this innovation came from the private sector. Yeah. So when they talk about electrifying the country and doing a new green deal or climate change, you live in a house. So that means you would have to have some type of charging system to charge up your vehicles. Yeah. Okay. I live in an apartment complex. So that means the owner of the apartment complex would have to put charging stations all over that apartment complex. That's going to, if he has to, he or she has to pay for it, that means rents going up. And we've seen in California, as an example, the low income and the minority community are disproportionately pay a higher energy cost because they typically drive to their work. Yeah. I just don't think these jobs are going to materialize that he thinks they are. No, and especially not in the four-year stint that he's no, going to be in there. No. Because we know that there, somebody else will come in, whether it's, you know, okay, so Trump, I guess, after the speech, or he was talking to somebody either today or yesterday about him possibly running again in 2024. I think what Trump's doing, he's playing, he gets under the Democrats' skin. Because four years is a long time. It is. And Donald Trump will be 78 years old. Yep, the same age as one Joe Biden. I think by the time he gets to 2024, I think he will have to reassess the field. But I think he he may let one of his surrogates run. Yeah, because he was still a lot of talk about Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis has all the issues that Trump pushes. Yeah. He doesn't have the... And he's more political. I'm not worried about that, but Ron DeSantis is a veteran. Ron DeSantis is a family guy. Yeah. Ron DeSantis doesn't attack unless he there's a need to. He's not going to go after individuals. And I have a picture with one Ron DeSantis, so if he's president, I could be like, yeah, see that? Yeah, so I think it's for Ron DeSantis, it's all going to hinge on does he win re-election in 2022? for Florida governor. I'm sure he is. The only one that's so far that I've heard for a Democrat to come out would be Val Demings. She used to be the former police chief of Orlando. Is she the congressperson? She's congressional rep. She's weighing whether to run against Marco Rubio or Ron DeSantis. I think she's going to run against Ron De- Marco Rubio, not Ron DeSantis. And what do you see playing out with that? What do you mean? If she did run against... She would have to go through the primary, the Democratic primary system. Okay. And then Marco Rubio will have... He, he, He'll have his primary, but if he's the can, most likely he won't have a challenger, so he can save up his money, and then he can. But if those two went head to head, it's all gonna. T- it's see the thing is, it's just what, about the climate at the time. The climate at the time. What happens now may not be. Let's say the economy does really well this year, but when the policies of Joe Biden, which many suspect, if it's anti-business, raise taxes, and the, and everybody pulls back their money and the economy stagnates, it's not going to be a good thing because she was a, she would have voted 
for all those things that Joe Biden pushed. Okay, so you were talking about the last thing Joe Biden said, which should be the most concerning to the people that were watching. And before you talk about what that was, so I think they made a comparison that, like, when Trump did his speeches in front of the nation, uh, you're looking at anywhere 46 to 33 million viewers for whatever year. Did you see how many watched? I didn't see what the numbers were. 11 million. That's it? That's it. Wow. Yeah. So my question is also, what happened? Where's the other like 69 uh, million people that voted for Biden? Why weren't they watching it? Yeah. So that's hardly anything. Yeah. And it was just, uh, what did you think about the speech overall from how it was presented? There was only a few, I, I only noticed a few gaffes. There were a few gaps. I would do this. It was far different than what Trump did last year. Yeah. It was more of a grandfatherly speech. Yeah. It wasn't a raw screaming and yelling. It's, but it's also a different time period, too. When Trump was doing it, we were pre-pandemic. He was deep in the pandemic. But other than that, I gave the speech is it was interesting is that there was no vision. It's just mm. we're going to get we're going to have free this free this. These guys are going to pay for it. Then when he pivoted to foreign policy, there's no vision of what you want the nation to do. We've had a a foreign policy vision that primarily was accepted by Republicans and Democrats from the end of World War II to the end of the Cold War. And we really haven't had a vision of any president. And he would be the one president when it comes to foreign affairs because he was chairman or vice chairman of the, not vice chairman, he was chairman or ranking member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. That was his nut was that's where he's in Biden. Obama picked him because he was a foreign policy guru. Was the speech at all patronizing? Because he said he was saying key words, blue collar. He mentioned veterans. He said China. He said Russia. He was saying all these things that would. The one thing that bothered me is what we started at the beginning is you're talking about like America is racist. Yeah. Systematically racist. Now, both of us are white, so we don't know what it's like to be african-american nor do they know what it's like to be white and what i mean by that is a friend of mine who works for the post office in california he told one of his african-american colleagues how do i prove i'm not racist yeah do i bring out all my black friends so when you and i still believe this if you look at yeah america has a dark history yeah slavery was the most reprehensible thing we could ever did and then what we did after that But if there wasn't a George Washington and a Thomas Jefferson in the U.S. Constitution, there was no civil war. And without the civil war with Abraham Lincoln, there was no uh, Martin Luther King. Mm -hmm. So history plays out that way. Now, today, if you look at these cities, and I keep going back to it, is there they push this progressive ideology. But the ones that push it are immune from their own ideology, meaning they are big on public schools, but they send their kids to charter schools. They're big on climate change, but they live in these mega mansions, fly around on their private jets and their yachts, like Mm -hmm. John Kerry when he went to receive a climate award summit. So they believe in open borders, but yet they have walls around their home. Like Mark Zuckerberg's a big progressive. He doesn't have any few minorities in the leadership of his company, but they're immune from their own ideology that they instill on others. They want us to live in the urban center. They don't. What do you mean you want to live out there? They want us to do certain things that they don't want to do. Hmm. Look at Nancy Pelosi. 
when it was it last May, she's locked in and she's showing her $20,000 refrigerator, eating her $13 pint ice cream. And some of that ice cream is shipped in. As far as I go to get my groceries at a grocery store, that's where I get my ice cream. I don't ship ice cream in. And also, just pick up Nancy Pelosi from her palatial mansion and put her into a crosstown street on Martin Luther King Boulevard in the middle of Baltimore, and she's going to have a she's going to sing a different tune. Well, exactly. And it's interesting. Her father used to be a former mayor of Baltimore. Okay. But I mean, it's but they push an ideology. That they're immune from. But so from going back to the beginning, from the Uncle Tim comments, wouldn't you think it would be more of the Democrat or the liberal side that were probably making those comments? They were because they can't for the life of them understand even when President Trump had his Republican convention, he had some African-Americans get up and sing the praises of the conservative ideology. And to liberals and the progressive, they can't, for the life of them, understand why somebody who is a minority would support Republicans. Okay, we're going to go speed around here for a second, okay? You have the Civil War, which was an attack on our democracy. What was worse than the Civil War being an attack on our democracy? Pearl Harbor. Okay. And there's 9-11. All right. Would the insurrection be one of them? It was an attack on our democracy, but not in the ways they think. But it's interesting. They jump on that. But all through last summer, they had riots and they had a siege on a federal courthouse. Even uh, William Barr, when he was on Capitol Hill testifying during the summer, is like, you guys don't have a problem with a federal courthouse being assaulted? And then you have... Six Democratic senators, one of them was Maisie Hirono, one of them was Sheldon Whitehouse, the other one was Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut, and I can't think of the other three. They they were really going at it with the Supreme Court because they didn't rule their way. You had Chuck Schumer to, to Neil Gorsuch to Brett Kavanaugh. You're going to reap the whirlwind, threatening them. Yeah. They don't have a leg to stand on in my account. So even though I don't condone the attack on the Capitol, I like the message it sent to the representative saying that you are not untouchable. We can get to you, whether it's through the means of peacefully or if we but have see, to do but Here's the big question. I don't condone what they did. No. There's no reason for violence in this country. We can have a civil discussion between someone who's a liberal, conservative, Republican or Democrat or progressive. The problem is people don't understand why individuals voted for Donald Trump. The people, most people who voted for can't stand the guy. He's bombastic. He's over the top. He's he attacks people. He just can't shut his mouth. But go back to 2016. If America was so great at that time economically, why did people vote for Donald Trump? Donald Trump got the base of people who didn't have high school to college degree, blue collar, middle class. These are traditionally Democratic voters, but they voted for Dem for Donald Trump because Donald Trump was saying their language, speaking their concerns. Republicans and Democrats passed trade deals where jobs went overseas. Like, take Joe Biden, this first official act. What does he do? He eliminates 11,000 blue-collar worker jobs. These aren't in academia. This is not in the media or the tech industry. It's blue-collar, 
manufacturing jobs go over. Okay, so you read the transcript of the speech. Did he blame Trump for anything? He didn't blame Trump for everything. He just took credit for a lot of things. <laughs> okay. He took credit for the economy. He took credit for Operation Warp Speed. Yep. He didn't mention tr- refused to give any positive kudos to the previous administration. What about the immigration? Did he say anything about that? Barely mentioned immigration. He didn't mention, definitely didn't mention anything on the border. He didn't mention anything. He mentioned China a little bit, yep. but didn't mention all the problems there. Didn't mention anything about Russia, except for we're, we don't want to be confrontational, but we're still going to be there. Okay, last thing. So what did he say at the end of the speech that should be very concerning to all our listeners and America in itself? The last thing he said, and it's in the last paragraph, he said, we the people, or mean, or what he basically goes, we the people really means we the government, like the government knows what's best for you. Yeah. And they know what's best for your family, for your health care, for what job you should have. They know what's best. That's disturbing. Yeah, it is. And it should really tend to wake some people up about what the, both sides, Republican well, and Democrats, say. He didn't say any. He mentioned we're going to have good schools. Didn't mention half the country's schools aren't open or if they are it's in a hybrid model a lot to take in and for our listeners to kind of absorb and if they have any questions how can they do that they can get in touch with us by going to ubaldi reports at gmail.com that's ubaldi reports at gmail.com they can get look us up on facebook twitter and instagram and if you go to facebook you can go to ubaldi reports group and also we're going to be starting i'm live streaming the podcast we started already we got some bugs we got to work out so we're working on that so we hope to get that up and running soon now joe we're also doing something that is very unique yes i would say unique to the podcast it's not very unique overall but it's just john and i we're going to kind of take off the The pg the pg rating on the ubaldi reports we're going to have a ubaldi reports declassified and John and I are just going to let it fly, and you're really going to get a lot of, first of all, unpopular opinions from John and I. We're going to say some things that you might really find offensive, but once again, we rely on the truth when we're saying this. So it won't be anything derogatory, but it will be something that you're probably not going to if you see things in a certain light. And we're really looking forward to that. And uh, we're going to send the link out for our Patreon. You're going to be able to get a show for a little as a dollar, maybe even a membership monthly and yearly. It's just going to help John and I just help out with more podcasts and more equipment around the studio so that we can give you a better show. And you can do that. Just look out for that link in the description. Everybody have a good day. Yep. And keep listening to Ubaldi Report.